This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Sunandita Santanam. And I'm Emilio Bovale. We want to remind you that this program broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Tonight, we focus on the health and well-being of New Mexico children. We'll hear from Emily Wildow, Research Policy Analyst and Kids Count Coordinator of NM Voices. Emily shares important data points from the 2022 Kids Count Databook. We also have our weekly vaccine equity segment, keeping you up to date with the health and safety of the communities we love and care about. And speaking of community, we have an exciting community calendar this evening. Stay tuned for this hour of information, education, and great music. That's right, starting with Arte de Camino Andro by Vicente Griego Revoso. Esos eran los días de los heroes cuando habían heroes teorrequeando en lengua mocha y risa torcida. The 2022 New Mexico Kids Count Data Book was released. What does the collected data say about where New Mexico children and communities stand? Joining us tonight to answer those questions and more is research policy analyst and Kids Count Coordinator Emily Wildow from NM Voices. Emily's work focuses on issues related to early childhood education and family economic security. New Mexico Voices for Children is a nonpartisan advocacy organization which works to inform and improve the health of New Mexican working families and children. Here is Madumita Santana speaking with Emily Wildow. This is Madumita Santanum with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Emily Wildow, a research and policy analyst for New Mexico Voices for Children and the Kids Count Coordinator. Emily, welcome to Generation Justice. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Really glad to be here today. Of course, thank you so much. Um, could you tell us more about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm Emily Wildow, like you said. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I've been working as a research and policy analyst in the Kids Count Coordinator at New Mexico Voices for almost three years now. And um, I am from New Mexico. I was born and raised in Roswell. I did my undergrad in Las Cruces and I've been in Albuquerque now for almost eight years. Um, so I live in the way Southwest part of the city uh, with my husband. We're expecting our first baby in the summer and um, I just really love getting to do this kind of work for the state that I love so much. Thank you for sharing a bit more about yourself and congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, could you tell us about the mission and the history of New Mexico Voices for Children? Yes, I can. So we are an organization that was started over 30 years ago, um, initially by pediatricians. They were treating kids coming into their clinic and they were seeing these problems that started so far upstream from where they were seeing their kids. So they decided to start New Mexico Voices for Children as a way to address policy concerns that impact the health and well-being of children. So 
you know, we are a nonpartisan nonprofit and we, um, you know, work to champion public policies that improve the well-being of New Mexico's children, families, and communities. And we do that by focusing on health policy, economic policies, and education policies. And we do all of that within um, kind of an umbrella of working also on making sure the state has the revenue that we need and that it's been equitably and sustainably raised so we can provide those critical programs for kids and families in those other kind of areas. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing about your mission and about the history. I think it's so cool. Um, yeah, that you spoke about like the pediatricians. I think that's awesome. As the research and policy analyst for New Mexico Voices, I'd love to hear more about the New Mexico Kids Count program and the data book that you have. Yes, absolutely. So Kids Count is a national program. Um, so that provides an opportunity for the states to have kind of comparable indicators that can be tracked. And in the national program, there's 16 indicators that are tracked. Um, and those are in the areas of economic well-being, health, education, and family and community. And then we track those things so we can see how our policies are impacting our kids and families. And then when we release a New Mexico data book, we look more deeply at what's going on with our counties, what's going on in school districts, um, as well as just the state as a whole. And we're able to um, really focus in on the racial disparities that show up in the data. So we know that policies have had different impacts on different groups of people, and that largely that's related to historical and current decisions that um, uphold or further um, kind of just the systemic inequities and historical racism that's in place um, in this country and in the state. So we like to really highlight that so we can look at racial equity in our future policy decisions, as well as just seeing how we can improve child well-being overall. You know, when you support the groups that have the disparities, all the boats rise and everybody gets better. So um, we track those things in, in the data book through Kids Count so that all of our decision makers in the state, all of our advocates have a good source to go to to look at what's going on in their communities, um, at the county level, at the state level, so that they can be useful in um, crafting their plans for moving forward policy decisions. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. And I think it's great that you're recording everything that's happening in the community so that it would allow uh, New Mexico voices as well as the children in New Mexico to flourish. So I think that's amazing. Um, what are some of the most important data points found in the 2022 Kids Count data book that you would really like to share with our community and you would want them to understand? Yeah, so first I'll back up just a little bit to explain a little bit um, about the data this particular year. So because of the pandemic, um, there were some data collection challenges that happened. So the majority of the data come from the US Census Bureau. And with those data collection challenges, instead of just looking at one year's worth of data, which is usually how it works, um, we have some of the data pooled as a five-year average. So we, we see data in this data book that ranges all the way back to 2016 up through um, some 2021 data I think a couple of places there's some 2022 data even available, um, particularly from our state agencies. So just to have a reminder and a thought in the back of your head that a lot of these indicators 
are reflecting conditions from before the pandemic. And um, the data is always a little bit delayed. So even the most recent data is behind in what's actually been passed in our legislature and the policies that we think are going to really show up in the data in the next couple of years. So just kind of to pre preface um, with a little bit of background on the data. Um, so, you know, since I mentioned that we always focus on racial equity in our work, I would highlight that the data book talks about the majority of New Mexico kids being children of color. We have 76% of New Mexico children who are Hispanic, Native American, Black, or Asian. We have a 36% of our children who are two or more races. So we really have a diverse community that we're working with in New Mexico. And that really comes into play when you see racial disparities throughout the data book in all of the various indicators that we track. We also included um, a few data points to show how COVID-19 is continuing to have economic impacts on families. So we know that 18% um, of New Mexico parents in 2022 were not sure that they would be able to pay their next rent or mortgage payment on time. 54%, 54%, I think that's just a crazy number, of, of New Mexico parents had difficulty paying for their usual household expenses. Um, and 32%, excuse me, 35% of New Mexico households with children were not eating enough because food was unaffordable. So there's still really real economic considerations. Um, the pandemic, you know, we're all starting to feel that it's lifting. We can get back to some of our more normal parts of our lives. But the economic conditions that came from that are still really, really affecting kids and families. And so that's important to consider too. And there's a few things that you can see in the data book. Um, one is we, we saw that child poverty in New Mexico slightly decreased, which was really great news. Um, but it's still higher for children of color, and we still have really high rates of poverty as a state um, compared to other states. So it's critical when you're thinking about childhood poverty that um, we connect that to issues of having affordable housing, having food access for kids and families, um, and creating jobs where families can find secure employment that pay a living wage, that have sick leave, that have paid family leave. All of these things are really important to preventing increases in child poverty. And, and one of the things that happened during the pandemic was that temporarily expanded federal child tax credit. And that really played a huge part in um, preventing increases in, in childhood poverty. And we're really proud that the state has put in a state level child tax credit. So um, I can talk more about that later. Um, other things that we saw, you know, there were more households receiving SNAP compared to in 2021 compared to 2019. Um, and again, that was largely it was increases in all races and ethnicities, um, with the exception of Asian households. But, you know, we saw that people were really relying on those SNAP benefits at a much greater level across the board than they had in the past. And, um, Fortunately, because of things like the SNAP benefits that people were able to access, and again, the child tax credit that people were getting, we saw that child food insecurity didn't increase dramatically. That was really great news. At the beginning of the pandemic, we saw projections for huge spikes in child food insecurity. And fortunately, we um, have a rate of 
which is still really high. It's one in five kids are still food insecure in the state, but it's much, much lower than we were anticipating at the onset of COVID. So um, that's really due to a lot of great work. You know, we saw the state do a lot of economic relief to get um, money into the pockets of families who were going to spend that locally on things that they needed. And I think that's reflected in um, in the food insecurity rates. You'll also see that this is one of those areas where when you look at it by county, um, there's really widespread between what you might see. So for example, Los Alamos County has a rate of 6% childhood food insecurity. Luna County has a rate of 33%. So this really wide range has a lot to do with the economic circumstances in the counties. If there are um, food deserts, available jobs, and just other challenges that families are facing in those communities. So there's um, a lot of information like that in the data book that you can see as well. And the last one that I'll highlight now is um, we've seen a huge decline in young children who aren't enrolled in school. So over the last decade, New Mexico's seen our investments paying off. So we have been really focused on increasing investments in early childhood and getting more young children into school, which sets them up for success throughout their entire educational career. And we know that that has been effective, that it has been declining and that that will ultimately pay off um, in the long run. Thank you so much. I looked at the the data book a little bit before. Um, I'm definitely going to read it more now because I was really interested, especially in all of the data statistics that you mentioned. I think it's very interesting how some of the numbers are really high. And mm -hmm. I know that you like mentioned about like COVID-19. And I think the fact that you mentioned how much it's impacted so many of the families, I think it really puts it in perspective. Um, as someone uh, like myself, I feel that I've definitely have a lot of privileges even during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I also, I really appreciate um, you talking about the relationship between economics and how that really impacts poverty. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit about the data and about the book. It means a lot. Um, I wanted to know where can people find more information about NM Voices and the 2022 Kids Count Data Book? Yes, thank you for that question. That's great. Um, you can find a lot of information about our organization, our other research, and the data book all at nmvoices.org, which is our website. And if you're just looking for specific data about New Mexico kids and families, um, you can go to the Kids Count Data Center and click on New Mexico, and then there will be a list of uh, indicators that many of them are included in the data book. Some are additional to the data book. So you can find out um, more information there. And um, there's contact information on the data center. So if there's any data you're looking for, any questions you have that isn't posted, um, you can reach out to me through that, through that contact information. And I am always happy to try to help people find information they're looking for. Thank you. Um, the data is concerning for all of us who love New Mexico. Um, what are some of the ways community members like myself can make an impact and help improve New Mexico and children's well-being? That's such a great question, and I'm really glad you asked, because I know it's a lot of bad news most of the time when we look at the data. It's easy to be discouraged. 
Um, and I think it's important to remind people that we have a lot of agency and we have a lot of power to do something about these things. And so, you know, the first thing I'd say is that right now we are in our state's legislative session and anybody can reach out to their lawmakers to go talk to them about specific issues that they are worried about. There's, um, you can go to Santa Fe, you can do it remotely. You can testify remotely on bills that really are important to you. Like, um, you know, if you are really interested in helping make sure families have the money that they need to get by, then, you know, we're working on increasing that um, state level child tax credit this year. Um, if you want to keep seeing that progress in early childhood education, there's a lot going on to make sure we're building on that. Um, just increasing wages for our early childhood workforce, protecting all of our funding sources that we have for early childhood. So we have an early childhood trust fund that we really want to make sure stays dedicated to early childhood. And we just saw in November that 70% of voters approved using more of the state's permanent school fund to support early education. So making sure that those funding sources are really going in to see us build on the, the growth we've had. Um, we want to combat food insecurity, um, so there's a bill out there for universal school meals that's really important, and just maintaining health care coverage, expanding school-based health centers. There's so many things that people can advocate for. And the last thing, and the thing that New Mexico Voices really focuses on, is making sure we have the money to provide all of these programs and services to kids and families. And that involves long-term planning to diversify and stabilize and protect the state's revenue. We rely so heavily on oil and gas, and we know that that cycle is a boom and bust cycle. And when it busts, we're we're usually not prepared um, to take up the costs that we have to um, continue the progress we're making. But it doesn't have to be that way. You know, we can focus on these other opportunities um, to make our tax system more just to make sure big big corporations are paying their fair share. All of these things are really critical to making sure we can continue to prioritize our families in public policy. Absolutely, thank you so much for sharing that and talking about some of the bills also. Um, I feel like as a young person, I don't really know how to get involved sometimes. So I really appreciate that you spoke about some of the ways that we can like to, um, going to Santa Fe I think, and you said doing it remotely as well. So yes. I, I'm really happy that you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah, I, I also grew up in New Mexico, you know, and I didn't know either as a young person what to do. And I mostly just didn't engage. And so I think it's really um, empowering and inspiring to see you all getting the word out to people and also just taking action at such a young age. It's really amazing. And it, it really helps me to keep going in the work that I do. So thank you guys. Of course, absolutely. Um, um, can you talk to us um, or can you talk with us about why our future is bright in New Mexico and what are the positives we have working for us? Yes, I would love to talk about that because I am just kind of forever an optimist about New Mexico. Um, I I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, with, with the data and with the rankings for kids count, you know, we often hear about being at the bottom of the list, but, but we don't hear about is when you look at New Mexico over the long term, comparing us to our past selves, we've seen a lot of improvement. 
And in several cases, New Mexico is improving at a better rate in indicators over the long term than the rest of the country. So I want to highlight a few of those because I think that's really exciting. We have 7% fewer young children not in school compared to a decade ago, and the U.S. only has 2% fewer. So we've made big increases there that outpace the rest of the country. We have 45% fewer children without health insurance compared to 38% fewer nationally. And that, again, has to do with policy decisions to expand Medicaid and adopt those provisions under the, um, the ACA. And um, those things really have made a huge difference in making sure kids can get preventative care and can be treated early if they need it. There's been a 58% decrease in the teen birth rate. And the U.S. has had a 56% decrease, so we're a little bit ahead of the curve there as well. And the thing I find most surprising is that we've actually seen better long-term improvements than the U.S. in our reading and math proficiency, which you would never have guessed from the way it gets talked about. Ten years ago, so compared to ten years ago, New Mexico has 5% fewer fourth graders who are not proficient in reading, and the U.S. only has 3% fewer. So we have seen a stronger improvement over time. Even though we're still ranked low, we are doing these things. We're doing it. So it's important to just keep moving forward. And the same is true with our math proficiency. Uh, New Mexico's seen 1% fewer eighth grade students who are not proficient in math compared to no change over a decade in the U.S. And I think the other thing that's good to note about this is that these are really difficult problems. And even though we might fall lower on a list compared to other states, everybody is struggling with these same problems. They're not easy problems to solve. If they were, we would already be way ahead of where we are. So I just want to highlight that you can see over long term, New Mexico is moving forward. And we can see in our leadership, in our state lawmakers, the steps our governor has taken, they've been doing a lot of work since 2019 at least to really make sure that we are getting tax credits to families that are working hard but not making enough money to support themselves so that they can provide these basic needs for their families. We're trying to increase our investments in education so that we have better outcomes for all students and we can keep seeing these changes and improvements at a higher rate than the rest of the country. And beyond the stuff that's in the data, there's so much more to our communities that isn't reflected. We have incredible diversity. We have an incredible culture here in the state. And we have so many strengths that just aren't reflected in that data. And I think it's always important to consider that what we're seeing in the data is more the story of the opportunities that we do or don't provide to our kids. And so it has nothing to do with what we're capable of. And I think that as long as we keep moving forward and advocating with our lawmakers to stay on the path we're on, to invest in the services families need, to make sure our tax system is fair, um, those things are going to pay off in the long run and we're going to see improvements and they're going to happen. They just take time and we just have to keep working towards them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think it's just crazy the statistics that you brought up. I never would have thought that I wouldn't even I wouldn't have thought about it. And um I think it just shows that New Mexico is, like you said, moving forward and 
um, we have so much potential and I, um, I'm so glad that we're making progress. So thank you so much for sharing thank that. Um, are there any final thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? Um, final thoughts are really just to get involved. <laughs> you know, there's um, so many opportunities now. One of the one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is that the legislature is more accessible during the, the legislative session than they have been in the past. And if you go to the New Mexico legislature's website, you can find committee hearings that have bills that you're interested in, and you can go on Zoom and from your home, you can offer public comment in support of those things. And I think just taking advantage of how easy it is right now to make your voice heard in the conversation. Um, and if anybody is looking for a list of bills you might want to um, follow or issues you're interested in, you can find on New Mexico Voices website, our policy priorities document is there. So you can see kind of what we're working on. And if there's maybe things that are aligned with what you would like to support, um, things like protecting early childhood funding, um, getting the state child tax credit increased, um, and supporting education funding and addressing food insecurity. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on our website that can help you figure out what you're looking for. And then you can go find the links to get on Zoom and testify from home to legislative committees um, to support those things that you care about. Absolutely, thank you. Um, and you're definitely right. I think we should all get involved and really allow New Mexico to flourish. So thank you for sharing about that. Um, thank you, research and policy analyst Emily Wildow for speaking not just with Generation Justice, but with me about your amazing work. And also thank you for sharing about the really impressive and uh, I would say mind boggling uh, statistics. I was really surprised by them. And it really got my, it gave me a different perspective about like how the um, the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted many families and um, how economics play a role in poverty. And also thank you so much for sharing about how youth like myself can get involved and how we can make a difference in not just New Mexico, but within our smaller communities. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our time together and getting to share some of this information and data and a little bit more about the work we're doing this legislative session. So thank you. For Generation thank Justice, I'm Madhumita Santana. Thank you, Emily, for teaching us about the work you do at NM Voices, the data from the NM Kids Count data book and the effect of COVID on our population. And thank you for working for the people of the community. It's important to have our voices heard. Thank you so much, Emily, for informing us about the work of NM Voices, the impact it has had on our communities, and how important it is to continue to advocate for the protection and safety of the people we care about. Now we bring you Helplessness Blues by Fleet Foxes, selected by our guest, Emily Wildow.
Hi everyone, I'm Madhumita Santhanam and I'm your vaccine equity host for this evening. The global deadly disabling COVID-19 pandemic is not over. In fact, a subvariant of Omicron called XBB.1.5 is on the rise and it's highly contagious. So, how can you protect yourself, your loved ones, and your community from COVID-19 and its contagious variants? It is important to maintain COVID safety by being conscious of your health and the health of others. It is vital that you are vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 and other viruses. The bivalent Omicron booster is available to anyone over six months. Booster shots, including the bivalent Omicron booster shot, are only available after you have received a monovalent primary dose. If you or your child are not up to date with COVID-19 vaccinations and other immunizations, you can visit itstimenm.org. For more information regarding immunizations against other illnesses, you can also visit nmhealth.org. Testing is a staple in the mitigation of the spread of COVID-19. If you would like to learn more about at-home COVID tests at no cost or PCR testing locations, go to findatestnm.org. Remember that as cases of the new variant emerge, other viral illnesses are also prevalent and safety is always important to maintain. Immunizations against all viral illnesses like the flu and RSV are necessary precautions. For more vaccine equity information, you can visit protectyourhoodnm.org. Again, that is protectyourhoodnm.org. And remember, it is essential that we as a community are taking the steps to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 and illnesses such as the flu and RSV. Maintain social distancing, wear a mask, and get vaccinated as soon as possible. Thanks for tuning in to this week's vaccine equity segment. See you next week. Thank you, Madumita. Now we'll hear Blue Corn by our friend Defy. Yeah, a rapper mixing passion with a pain On point like an obsidian dagger, jagged blade Jaguar on the way, battle scarred by the fame The champion catches clay, uplifted my brother that day Held him high to the sky, up to the clouds and rain Colorful brown in my eyes, full production is on the way Sound clash exchange, the drums tap in your brain Love painted the canvas after it was matted and framed just heard to be young gifted and black by nina simone welcome to this week's calendar segment here are some of the great events happening in new mexico this week it's black history month sunny what's the first event the black business summit starts on tuesday february 7th at 10 a.m and ends on wednesday february 8th at 4 p.m this two-day summit will be at the civic plaza the focus is to highlight Black entrepreneurs and business owners to help them grow, develop, and make connections with other entrepreneurs. 
To learn more about this summit and other Black History Month events, you can visit cabq.gov and search for Black History Month events and programming. Again, that's cabq.gov and search for Black History Month events and programming. What else is going on this month? The second annual Black History Month meet and greet is happening Friday, February 24th. Celebrate Black History Month with your community and hear from the City of Albuquerque's Office of Black Community Engagement. The meet and greet will be at the Albuquerque Museum located at 2000 Mountain Road on Friday, February 24th from 5.30 to 9.00 p.m. If you'd like to learn more about this event, you can go to www.cabq.gov. The 2023 legislative session is in full swing. The New Mexico Wild, the Sierra Club, and several other grassroots organizations are hosting the Lands, Water, and Wildlife Day at the Roundhouse on February 9th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can join folks from across the state in celebrating the passage of protection of our lands, water, and wildlife in New Mexico State Capitol. To learn more about informational tables, organizations, speakers, and the legislators that will be present at this event, you can visit nmwild.org. Again, that's nmwild.org. That wraps up our community calendar. Thanks for tuning in. Next up is Black Girl Soldier by Jamila Woods. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action and education. We'd like to thank our guest, Emily Wildow and New Mexico Voices for Children. Night's Hour of Radio was produced by Roberta Rael and Barbara Ramirez, with production assistance from Zan Dixon, Sunandita Santanam, and myself, Emilio Bovale. And thank you to our interviewer, Maldumita Santanam. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media, so find us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow our playlists on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Buen Alma Health Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health, Infectious Disease Bureau, and Office of School and Adolescence Health, as well as the Better Together program, the City of Albuquerque, Race Forward, Media Justice, and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night include Central Avenue by local artist Zia Sun 16 Bars, featuring Jessica Helen Lopez, and I Still Love Her by The Great Wake Self, featuring Miles Bonnie, Maa Dukes, DJ Young Native, and Emilio Semihaza. I'm Emilio Bovale. And I'm Sunandita Santanam. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Way. On the way to 98th Street, yeah. 
Central Avenue. It's kind of like the heart that pumps blood in the city. Gritty committees meet, but never for the common wit. Drop bombs. The reason for storing ghetto carpet lawns. And the same reason pro snatches go after your moms. Smell the devastation when it rains on the frontier. So much food, but the homeless live with hunger pains. Walking around the range. Heroin in the veins. Meth addicts scratch through the clothes. See the blood. Nas is ill-matic. Omega's the true meaning. Dillard's drum machine displayed in a history museum. The love is so deep in me, I need her. No strings attached like run, DMC's Adidas. Jizza is the genius, KRS is the teacher. Large the professor, follow the leader. Step into the arena. Respect to band, Bada, Zulu Nation. Every chapter, break dancers, breaking, making sacred geometric paths. Searching for the perfect beak on my license to ill. Stolen five points was painted over random hearts.